Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of The Background Scoop. I'm your host, DJ Savaropoulos, part-time actor here in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, In this episode, I talk about scams, uh, taping auditions, some shows I've recently worked on, such as Monarch and The Wonder Years for the sixth time, some movies I've been involved in recently, such as Creed 3 and Landscape with Invisible Hand, as well as a student film I did called On Demand. I also talk about the wonderful acting class I'm taking at the Alliance Theater right now, and I close with some recorded voiceover material I recently did. This may be the last episode for me for a while. I kind of feel like I've said everything there is to say about background acting. And in 2022, I feel like I'm now morphing into a real actor uh, or a uh, non-background actor, if you will, whatever you want to call it. So hopefully those who've been following along will uh, continue to listen um, and tune in and see how that all pans out. Uh, Maybe a bit before I get back to this, uh, once I've got enough material to talk about that going forward. So again, thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you soon. I don't know what day it is and it doesn't matter because this topic is timeless. In the real estate world, we call this evergreen content. Let me say a few words about scams. They're bad, so beware. Okay, four words. In a nutshell, unscrupulous companies steal job postings and then post them on their sites and then charge people money to see them. So you should always ask around in person or on Facebook before you pay anyone for anything. Why? Because there's a good chance someone else has fallen for a scam and will tell you all about it. Case in point, I saw on the Atlanta Actors Network Facebook page last week a post from this woman named Brooke Butterworth, who is casting for something. It may be a maple syrup commercial, but probably not. And I'm sure she's so sick of people saying that, but I couldn't resist. She goes on and on about how she doesn't understand why she's getting all these submissions from people using something called all casting and doesn't understand why people are sending in headshots when she didn't request them. And then other people chime in to explain to her that her postings are getting hacked and stolen and posted by this all casting company without the correct submission instructions, perhaps just the email to submit to. Brooke continues to explain how the submissions are failing in an effort to explain to people that they really need to follow instructions if they're going to be taken seriously and get anywhere in this business. I think she's really trying to help. But if you're a casting director, wouldn't you know that scammers are constantly stealing your postings and posting them as your own? My favorite line of hers is this, quote, reading instructions will set you apart from the other 90%, unquote, as if that's all it takes, or as if that's the low bar that's been set in this industry. In other words, there are so many people who cannot even follow instructions that if you're one of the 10% who can, you've got one leg ahead of the competition. I do wonder what that means for people with graduate degrees like me. I seriously don't think your college education gets you anything here. Elsewhere, yes. So beyond the lookup for scams, there are tons of free sites where you can find background jobs. The only two I pay for are Actors Access and Backstage. And I may soon also pay for casting networks because this guy Mitch, I met on the Wonder Years, spoke highly of it. I had to record an audition for a commercial I applied for on Actors Access. I went to Kaylee and David's last Sunday 
January 16th, 2022, where they have a small studio set up. It came out fantastic, but I learned a few things. One, lighting is key. You need a package to set up your studio. It makes everything look better. I just ordered and got one from Amazon, but it turned out to be crap. So I returned it after 30 minutes of trying to set it up and get one of the two lights to respond to the remote control. Arrgh! I hate when cheap stuff you buy on Amazon doesn't work. I mean, I read the reviews, but got the lemon in the bunch. I think I'm disappointed to buy whatever Kaylee and David have. Two, I memorized my lines, but not theirs. So I had to look down at the script to know when they were done and when it was my turn. When I showed this to a woman named Cindy, whom I met on Monarch this week, she immediately said that was bad in all caps. She poo-pooed my reel after knowing me for just five minutes. I'm sure she's very nice and was only trying to help. I didn't take it personally. She's one of those people who buys a lot of real estate with cash and then rents it out to tenants or on Airbnb and loves, loves, loves to talk about the real estate market. But when I'm on an acting job, those conversations get very tiring very quickly. Back to the subject. I'm not sure what the expectation is here from the casting director. They don't want you to literally read the lines, so you need some extent of memorization. Otherwise, you're not really acting, you're just reading. Third, the casting director sent out several emails, which I found odd. The first was how to pronounce the name in the script, which I had no difficulty with. It's Italian. I'm from the Northeast, where everybody easily recognizes Italian names and isn't afraid of them. In the second, he berated people for a number of things like bad video, bad sound, reading the script 100%, etc. And suggested that these were very unprofessional and that people should get their act together. I'm not sure what the point of all this was. If people don't know how to submit, they just don't get the job. Is it his job to tell them how to submit? He sounds very much like Ms. Butterworth. I'm inclined to believe that anyone from California who is new to Atlanta is absolutely horrified by how people here behave. As if the raw talent here is absolutely clueless and hasn't learned anything properly. As if we all missed out on the acting finishing school that everyone in Hollywood goes to. Sorry guys, it's a different world here and you're probably not going to succeed in changing all of us. Blame it on the South, the city, the millennials, or whatever you want. This isn't Los Angeles in the 1920s. It's Thursday, January 20th, 2021. Today was an absolutely crazy day. I had a conflict, so let me tell you about that. I had to be on set at 7.30 a.m. for Monarch filming, but I also had to do a fitting for the Wonder Years for three days next week and test for them as well. I knew this would be a problem when I accepted both, but assumed I would just figure it out. I called Central last night to see if I could fit on Friday because I knew they were doing fittings on Friday because they had sent me another availability request for the same show with the fitting on Friday. But of course, they don't answer their phone. So I left a very long message, which they obviously either never listened to or just deleted, but never responded to. My fitting time was 10 a.m., but I could actually show up anytime between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. So I had three options. One, cancel Monarch, but that seems stupid. Two, do Monarch, but secretly leave so I could do my Wonder Years fitting. And three, do Monarch and not leave and hope that I could just do my fitting on Friday. I didn't cancel Monarch. The third option no longer made sense because this morning I agreed to also film on Friday, which means I absolutely had to do my fitting for the Wonder Years today. So my only option was to go to Monarch and leave at some point. 
I wasn't used in the first scene and not pulled onto set until 11 a.m. And then we filmed for a good 90 minutes. I did the math and needed 30 minutes to walk back to the parking lot and another 30 to drive to Stone Mountain. So I basically had to leave at 1.30 p.m. in order to get there by 2.30 because they closed at 3. To complicate matters, I couldn't just disappear because wardrobe had given me a blazer to wear. So at a minimum, I had to return that and say something like, I have to go, I have an emergency, and just sneak out. If we were filming, it would have meant me pretending to run to the restroom and never coming back. I stress out so much about this stuff, but it all turned out fine. They wrapped us at 1 p.m. I had 30 minutes to spare, so I went to Flow in Midtown to test before I went to my fitting in Stone Mountain. The original plan was to come all the way back to test after the fitting. My original three-day gig is now four days. Of course, I got pinged to do other roles that I cannot do because of this, but as I always say, four days on one project makes a lot more logistical sense than four days on four projects. On another note, I just got off a call for a read for a Georgia Tech student project called On Demand. We are filming this weekend. I auditioned on Actors Access by submitting a video of myself reading my lines, and she picked me. Yay! This is my third speaking role this year. The deadline for the comedic commercial I also submitted for is tomorrow, and I really do hope I get that one too. I cannot stop repeating those lines in my favorite British accent. I'll sue! It's where you sue someone frivolously to avoid having to earn money or sales. Tally-ho! It's Friday, January 21st, 2022. I just finished my first of four days on the Wonder Years. Overnight, the call time got sucked back from 10 a.m. to 7 a.m. I've warned you all about this. I didn't set my alarm for midnight. I only saw this as I was casually making breakfast, thinking I could go to the gym, buy my groceries, and then head to set. Not a big deal. It was just a handful of us that needed to be there that early. I mistook the empty parking lot for a bunch of people who had yet to get the message or who would be very late. I was switched from a diner patron to a busboy. Better for me, there were just two of us in the scene, so we'll be visible. Here's what else happened for the first time. There is this unspoken rule that you never talk to the principal actors. Well, it was just me and Elijah. I'm not sure how you say his name. The character who plays Dean, and he goes by EJ, and Laura, who plays his sister Kim. Ian Koo huddled in this old building, absolutely freezing. The boy who plays Dean offered me his hot hands, and then 20 minutes later, Laura insisted I join them at the space heater. How could I resist? It's so funny. They probably wonder why we all behave in such an unfriendly manner. It's because we're told to not speak to them. And then this woman, Patricia, came over to give me a single note. Quote, you're kind of stiff. You need to loosen up. You look like Ben Stiller on the runway. It's the end of the week and you hate your job and your wife left you and you just can't wait to go home. Unquote. I started laughing. The Ben Stiller comment refers to Zoolander, which I saw 20 years ago when it came out, but I still knew what she meant. I was guessing at its age, but just looked it up on IMDb and it actually came out in 2001, 21 years ago. Um... I also felt very strange in this outfit because my father used to be a sous chef and he'd come home dressed similarly in his work clothes. His name was John. And when they put a name tag on me today, it also said John. Never before have I felt 
as if I were literally acting like my dad. I met this very informative guy named Mitch who told me about casting companies I had never heard of, such as Fox, where there are higher paying jobs. And I also started submitting my resume and photos to casting agencies. So we will see where that goes. Central booked me on a movie called Beverly Street. It's 18 days of filming in Hiram, Georgia, about 40 miles away, but I drive that distance for other shows. Ask me how I feel about this on February 18th, the very last day. Anyway, it's a solid chunk of work for almost $2,000, so it means me not having to submit for anything for weeks. They booked me as a boxing fan, but then also asked if I was available to be a photographer or press. I called and left a message saying I prefer that role. You could request at most three days off, so I picked a day that I have a real estate commitment and then two more days for my acting class, which in the end I will end up missing two of the six dates. I applied for more gigs on Actors Access and Backstage this week, and today, for the first time, someone on Backstage reached out to me to ask me to submit for their project. Well, that is the first. The most surprising thing I'm learning now is that I enjoy making voiceover reels and listening to them. My favorite so far is of me playing a cat with a British accent named Siggy who lives at a child psychologist's office and helps out by talking to the children. It really, really sounds like a fun project I would love to do. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. It's Tuesday, January 25th, 2022. I just finished three days on The Wonder Years, my sixth time on the show. Cameron just loves it. Until they filmed an episode on his street, he had never watched it, but now he's hooked. All last week, he kept texting me as he was going through the episodes, asking all kinds of questions, and I kept having to dig up my footage, actually Instagram reels, and send them over because he clearly hadn't seen them posted on my account. Three points I want to make here. The first AD on this episode, number 17, was fantastic. Her name's Patricia, and she went so out of her way to learn all of our names and engage with us that it really made us feel like part of a cast. I have never felt more welcomed by a crew. Thanks, Patricia. When I arrived on Monday, she recognized me from Friday, but I helped by saying, quote, the stiff one, Zoolander, unquote. To which she replied, quote, at least I'm being honest, unquote. And she was. Two, being a busboy and actually busing tables is a lot of work. All caps. You have to reset everything between takes, and you have to put dishes and silverware and glasses and placemats into a bin without making any noise. I think yesterday my boss was doing most of the work for me by filling the bin, but today I was flying solo. At one point, Patricia wandered over and gave us the moi sign, where you put your four fingers together on your lips as if to say, fantastico. So we were giving her 
exactly what she wanted. Three, I had to leave early to get to a test for another show, which was super dicey. Testing closed at five o'clock. At 4.10, we finished a scene from Three Angles and were told to go outside. I knew the next take would not need me, so I bolted to holding and told the PA there that I had to leave immediately. I told him. I didn't ask him. He said he had to check with the head PA. Meanwhile, I changed, returned my clothing to wardrobe and handed him my name tag to give to props. He still didn't have an answer. He was just trying to do his job and I knew and knew that I couldn't wait around. I was halfway across the parking lot just looking back the whole time until he gave me the thumbs up. It was kind of weird. I mean, I didn't really want to be a jerk and just leave, but at the same time, I don't need their permission to leave two hours early if I really, really have to go. Finally, this whole fitting thing doesn't always make sense. To work Creed 3 starting later this week, I needed to test Monday or Tuesday, which ended up being today. But then I became a judge, which means I also needed to pre-fit. So I now had to test on Sunday to fit on Monday. The Monday fitting fell apart because I couldn't walk out on the Wonder Years. The PA began texting me and I said, look, can I just send you photos of my suits? And he said, yes. And we pretty much agreed on my wardrobe using our phones. Given that they were not fitting me in period clothing and that all of the clothing options were mine, there is no reason why I should have to drive somewhere and block off a whole day for this. Really, didn't we all learn anything from COVID? All fittings except ones where they have to alter their clothing for you can be Zoom calls or just texting. Of course, I won't get paid for the fitting, but the fact that I don't have to drive somewhere with a suitcase full of options and forfeit acting days more than makes up for it. Again, Fred Savage was wandering around the set for the past three days, but he wasn't directing this episode. A woman named Aisha was. I am off to Creed for about 14 days of filming through mid-February. Here's one more thing I learned today. I've always believed that as long as you book a job with central casting, you never have to complete an I-9 or tax paperwork ever again. But I learned today that that is not true. It depends on the project. Creed had us filling all of this out in our cars, in our laps, while waiting to get tested. I got out of mine and did it on the hood of my trunk. I also got pinged by another casting director on Actors Access to audition for another role. What I'm doing is using an audition reel I created for something else and sending it into casting directors and based on that, they are liking what they see and asking me to audition for their role. So despite not having my own reel just yet, sending them videos of me auditioning for other things is getting me noticed. Things are getting absolutely crazy and will be so until Creed finishes in three weeks and then hopefully I'll get some more juicy rolls with lines. It's Saturday, January 29th, 2022. I just finished the first three days of an 18-day job on a boxing movie. I don't even know where to begin. I'm exhausted and doubt I will last the full three and a half weeks, but we'll see. It's a good 30 miles away, but it's not the distance that's killing me. It's the long hours late into the night. Major learning here, making a sports-themed film is incredibly complicated and takes forever. Think about it. A boxing match has 12 rounds, each of which is three minutes long. For every round, they have to choreograph it, rehearse it several times, sometimes at half speed, otherwise known as slow motion. Then they have to do several takes to film it. 
and then move the cameras to whatever other positions they want to capture it from. And this is not always the full round, it may be just part of it. We are spending an entire day filming a single round that is 12 hours filming what happens in three minutes in the real world. I started thinking yesterday of how much more complicated this would be for a soccer match or basketball game or football game, and my head started to spin. So from here on out, I will never enjoy a sports movie because it will be so painful to think of what they had to do to make it. The hours are long and the call times are late, so we end up there very late. Start times have been 10.30, 11.30, and 1 p.m. If you start at 1 p.m., you're not done until 2 a.m., and then it takes 45 minutes to get home, but I am one of the lucky ones. I have no wardrobe and no props, so when they wrap us, I am one of the first in the checkout line. But going to bed at 3 a.m. is five hours later than normal for me, and it messes up my whole schedule. I guess I could just alter my sleep times for the next three weeks so that I'm rising at 9 or 10 a.m. instead of 6 a.m. They're also testing us daily, and that takes forever. Yesterday, it took an hour and a half to get through that testing line. Standing outside, in the freezing cold. However, I also have one of the most boring roles. I'm a judge, so I just sit there and watch and pretend to write on the score sheet. My new buddy Bernie calls this writo-miming. It's like pantomiming, but instead of pretending to speak, you're pretending to write. I feel bad for the fans who have to stand up and cheer and then cheer-o-mime and then move to different areas so it appears that the event is more crowded than it really is. I was so bored last night that I started making signs on 8.5 by 11 pieces of paper with a sharpie and holding them up for the fans behind me to see. First it was settle down, and then mask off, and then mask on. And then I noticed that the timekeeper on the other side of the ring had his mask off, so I held up the mask on sign until I got his attention. This started a... <laughs> quite comical round of us going back and forth. He replied with a COVID Nazi sign. I responded with a Fauci sign. He came back with a herd mentality sign. And then I held up one that said, moo. I got to meet this other guy named Malcolm, whom I was introduced to back in December on The Resident by my friend Josefina. We didn't get a chance to talk then, but did yesterday. He makes movies and knows my friend Steven, who also makes movies. Malcolm also knows Dolph Lundgren and has a son who models. And my judging partner is this Argentinian guy named Bernie, who has a host of great background stories to tell, including being a Spanish dialect coach on The Suicide Squad. So. Recall that Brooke Butterworth woman I mentioned earlier? I saw a posting of hers on Actors Access and applied for it. In response, she sent me an EcoCast invitation, which is basically the opportunity for me to read the sides and submit a slate and video. Her instructions were extremely complicated, so now I understand why people who get them have such difficulty. She wants the file names a certain way, she wants the content a certain way, etc. It got down to the wire and my video software was acting up, so I missed the 3pm deadline by a few minutes. And the quality wasn't that great, but getting comfortable with submitting yourself was my point in doing this. But I'm also learning that you cannot submit for everything you see, so you have to spend your time wisely. Meanwhile, I'm working on another project soon that requires that my eyebrows be hidden. If you've seen pictures of me, you know that I have one gigantic caterpillar monobrow. I think if the casting company had known this in advance, they wouldn't have hired me because it's going to be difficult for them to hide mine. Finally, and this is big news, that submission I did for the feature film 
Bandy's love finally came back this week and I got the part. This all started back on November 22nd, 2021, when I applied for the role on IMDb. Then on December 15th, I had my first interview, followed by the real audition on December 20th. I had applied for a non-speaking role, but they decided to send me sides for another role, and I got to show them my best South Carolina accent. Filming of my scene isn't until May, but it's pretty exciting. Before getting the news, I had just concluded that I wasn't hired, as I do with all my auditions. That way, you're never disappointed. If it happens, it happens. Otherwise, it's no big deal. This is my fourth speaking role for the year, and it's still January. It's still Saturday, January 29th, 2022. I'm recording this off the cuff as I'm lying in bed because I forgot to tell you all about the first student film I worked on last Saturday, whatever day that was. It's a Georgia Tech student who I thought was a film major, but she's actually a computer science major. And she's from Albany, New York. Anyway, um, it went really well. It only took two hours, late Saturday afternoon, somewhere in Scottsdale, Georgia, in this tiny little house with like 15 college students all crowded around the living room. And we filmed my scene first, which was good because, man, I got to leave pretty early. Um, just one scene with one other actor. And I have one line in it uh, where I basically have to yell at the top of my lungs and drop the F-bomb. I felt really bad because there was this little kid there with his mom because the kid's in the movie. And she's like, oh, don't worry about it. He's hurt it all. So... Um, interesting day. They expected to come out in the spring, maybe April, and they're going to invite us all to a premiere party. And then I'm not sure what's going to happen with distribution, but I think I'll get a copy of the reel. Um, I could hear them after they would do the filming. Um, I think we only did four or five takes, but I could hear, I couldn't see it, but I could hear my voice and it sounded pretty funny because I don't normally yell and I don't hear myself yelling. Um, but, you know, I guess it was the girl's first movie um so pretty exciting for her but I almost felt like I was coaching her because I've been doing background for two years now so I was asking her very specific questions about where does she want me to stand and you know was the tone of voice right did she want more of a pause after I swore and she said yes and um so I was kind of helping her out and I think it overall uh the scene should come out really really well um but we'll see so that's that Today is Saturday, February 5th, 2022. So I'm doing five key things in 2022 that I have not done before. They are as follows. One, paid accounts for actors, access, and backstage. Two, searching for student films and independent films everywhere because that's where you can get lines easily. Three, getting a lighting package set up for my home studio to help with audition videos. Four, getting an agent. And five, taking acting classes. Let me talk about the Alliance Theater acting class I'm taking. The first day of class was Tuesday, January 18th, 2022. The resident was there filming in the lobby and outside. It was a big fiasco. I couldn't get into the building while they were filming. And once I got inside, the guy who was supposed to check us in wasn't anywhere. I was 20 minutes early. So I sat in the lobby and ate my lunch, hoping someone would yell at me for taking my mask off just so I could say, screw you, I have nothing to do with this production. 
The exercises were fun, but a lot of it was repeat from the workshop I took in December. I got to play an old deaf man whose wife was trying to get him to move over and had hired someone to help her communicate with him. I threw in my British accent for good measure, and people thought it was funny. Allison Gardner, the instructor, seemed so happy when I told her in the class that I got my first speaking roles. It's so interesting when you go around the room and introduce yourself. You can tell so much about people by what they say and how they say it. Most people still give off this lack of confidence or timidity or something that says, quote, I'm afraid and I'm weak, unquote. I, on the other hand, belt out my story in a centurion voice. People stop, they look, and they listen. I missed the second class due to filming of Beverly Street and had planned to miss one more of the six, but altered my schedule, so I'm not. Class three was just as fantastic. The homework was one sentence. They are always very generically vague, so part of your job is to define the context. Basically, answer the following questions. Who am I? Where am I? When is it? What do I want? Why am I here? And what are the relationships between the characters? Here's the sentence, quote, therefore keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of bondage, unquote. Of course, I had to memorize this quickly since I had missed the class where it was handed out. It is absolutely fascinating to hear what people come up with. It was basically a monologue. We went randomly. I should have gone sooner because this woman who calls herself Slowese it's a portmanteau of Sarah and Louise, I believe, decided that she was getting a divorce and speaking this to herself in the mirror. I similarly, because I'm preparing for the George Peterson role, decided that I was a South Carolina lawyer in the late 1800s speaking this to my client. I used my new accent, of course, which really threw people. Our teacher decided that when we did the second round of these, Slowese and I would do it together. It was great, but the dialogue ended a bit too quickly and Alison Gardner wanted us to act out what would happen next. So I consoled her by saying, quote, now, now, dear, you can do it, unquote. Later on, Alison made a comment to me about watching myself on the accent. I guess it can be distracting if not done quite right. She also mentioned recalling I had done another accent in a prior class. The message to me was loud and clear. Stop with the stupid accents, DJ. You're here to act, not play with your voice. The homework for next week has been just as jarring for me. It's another vague dialogue. We have an odd number of people in the class, so I continue to get stuck in a throuple instead of a twosome. It's me, Alex, and Tony. Again, we have to memorize our lines and act this out. Although we had, all we had time to do was decide who was playing what roles before we left. I have already decided for myself what the scenario is. It's three siblings in a hospital visiting their father for the last time before he dies. I play Billy, who is reluctant to go into the room. It's because he's been estranged from his father for years and is reluctant to open up that can of worms all over again, but at the same time thinks there's a sliver of hope that they might reconcile their differences before he dies. Either way, Billy doesn't want to regret for the rest of his life not taking this opportunity to say goodbye. Here is the weird thing that happened while practicing. Billy has a line where he says he doesn't want to go into the room, quote, I want to, I'll, well, 
I'll cry, you know, unquote. So as I'm practicing this in my car, I almost start crying on this line and start wondering why. Why am I getting choked up just practicing this? Is it because I vividly remember how I completely lost it at my dad's funeral 16 years ago after being a stone-faced rock for the two weeks prior? I then realized I was afraid to recite these lines in class because I might actually cry. I was experiencing the exact same thoughts and feelings that the character Billy was. How weird is that? I imagine real actors encounter this all the time, blurring the lines between the character they're playing and who they are in the real world. I'll let you know how this goes. Surprisingly, almost crying is much easier than I thought it would be. Today is Saturday, February 5th, 2022. We are halfway through filming Beverly Street. I have five key points to make here. One, there are lots of small technical details that people spend a lot of time on, but make no sense. On day seven, my friend Bernie, who is playing a photographer, realized his lens cap had been on the whole time. This is because the batteries had died, which means when you look through the viewfinder, you see nothing, which is exactly what you see when the camera is on with the lens cap covering the lens. Two, the first week I was a judge with a laptop that wasn't on. Week two, I'm press, but I'm sitting with a judge and two other press people. The press people have working laptops, but the judge doesn't. He has a clipboard with scoring sheets. Our laptops have maximized photos on them, which mimic Mac desktops. Why? They're Windows machines pretending to be Macs. The fake spreadsheets we have open do calculations, which is what the judge needs, not us. It turns out the judge tracks punches thrown, jabs thrown, and one other thing as well as how many of these are successful. So for each category in each round, a ratio is computed. And then there is some type of calculated overall total of the three. Only now do I understand why the judges are watching so intently. They are literally counting and distinguishing successes and failures. Three, controlling the talking on set is out of control. After every take, all the BG starts mumbling. Then one to five crew begins serially trying to get everyone to shut up. Here's what they say. Quiet, please. Settle down. Settle, settle, and quiet all around. They don't realize that by doing this, they're making even more noise than everyone else's. Of course, everyone quiets down for 10 seconds, but then it all starts all over again. And half the noise is coming from the crew itself, so it's really impossible to determine how much noise the background is actually making. Try listening for 12 hours to people telling you to shut up. I honestly think they don't care. It's just their job to say this to us. Three. Getting 200 background to all remove their masks and put them back on is another huge issue. This crew has no consistency in how they communicate this to us. Sometimes they yell mask off just before they yell action. Most of the time, we assume that when they yell rolling, it also means mask off. Invariably, one to two people will be daydreaming and all of the rest of us will be glaring at them trying to get their attention to let them know to take their mask off. It happens every time and sometimes it's the person next to you flipping out trying to get their attention. I mean, how difficult is it to sit there and listen and pay attention? It slows everything down. Four, half the takes are done with us making real noise. Half are done where we are just pantomiming. 
We got a new press person at our table yesterday. When it was time to make noise, he literally acted as if he was a sports commentator describing all the action in the ring. It was ridiculous. And then the judge next to me starts doing it. I never made any noise because I doubt that a boxing judge or press would scream with the crowd. And five, this movie is an organizational psychologist's dream. I am now sitting in the busiest corner outside the ring. It's where the director and star of the movie has his team. So, at every cut, 10 to 15 people run over and start chatting about all kinds of things. The playback, the lighting, the lines, what's next, lunchtime, etc. I tend to stand up and stretch or walk away because it's so hot, and I don't like to be that sandwiched with people in this COVID era. Seeing all these interactions is a living example of the complexities of an implicit organizational structure I don't fully understand, and it's one where the titles and lines of authority are so explicit in the behavior unlike anything I've ever seen. Case in point, the guy next to me was reading a book, which disappeared at one point. He called someone over and asked about it. She said that that was a PA question. So he randomly began asking other people if they were PAs, and if so, if they had seen his book. Well, he accidentally asked an assistant director this question, and the guy had a bird. He was like, oh, my name is so-and-so, and I'm an AD, and how dare you even suggest that I'm a PA, and walked away. We just laughed at this. Someone had his, hit his book under the table. My point is these people get so hung up on their titles and the hierarchy and chain of command that it's insane. They're a team and they just need to work together without this drama, which for the most part they do. They don't wear name tags saying who or what they are, so how are we supposed to know? This old woman berated Bernie for eating cheese and crackers on set one day, and we still have no idea who she is, but I'm guessing she is not a PA. Anyway. In the corporate world I come from, there are similar people who think their title is something to flaunt, but you get to a point where you realize it's just a title and doesn't really entitle you to treat others poorly, no matter what it is, even if you're the Queen of England. I remember when I first started selling real estate, and I used to introduce myself with my past, saying I was a senior vice president at SunTrust, and eventually realized that it didn't really mean anything to people, and just saying it might come across as too pretentious. If they want to find out about my past, they can read my LinkedIn profile. There is a sixth point. The hours I was complaining about earlier have subsided. This week, we've had several surprise wraps much earlier than expected. One day was 6 p.m. Yesterday was 9 p.m. You know something is up when they keep sending us back to holding after only 20 minutes of filming. I sense that the star of the movie can only act so much before being exhausted and needing to quit. Today is Sunday, February 7th, 2022. I just finished a 12-hour day on a futuristic movie we filmed downtown at America's Mart. If you haven't been there, check it out. It's one of at least three 1960s buildings built by the famous architect John Portman. The other two are the Marriott Markey Hotel and the Hilton Hotel. All have these soaring interior atriums with glass elevators that shoot up to the sky and lots of dangerous walkways. It turns out America's Mart is the best setting because it's very stark white, and although it doesn't have 
the tallest atrium, it's got these crazy curved jutouts all over the place, and as you stand on level one and look upward, it's absolutely beautiful. Point two is that I typically wear dark clothing, lately a lot of black, because my gym shorts, running tights, socks, t-shirt, and running jacket are all black. The futuristic color scheme was lots of bright tone-on-tone colors. It was very hard to find stuff in my closet, and they used none of it. Instead, they put me in a lightweight pink crewneck sweater, red sweatpants, and red shoes from Zara. The spectrum of colors was amazing and looked wonderful against the stark white interior. All in all, it felt very much like the show Homecoming that Julia Roberts starred in, a creepy corporate environment, only this one in the future. The little dude from This Is Us Who Dates Deja is starring in this, so he was there, sleeping at one point. I bet he has long hours. Hiding my eyebrows was a trip for them, and the makeup lines were very long for up to four hours. They couldn't figure out what to do with my beard, and so instead of trying to hide it, just colored it a bit to make it more even and remove some gray. Tomorrow I'm off to Monarch again. It's at a church in Decatur blocks from my office, and we don't have to be there until 8am, so I can get up at my normal time and go to the gym first. Off to watch some summer, sorry, some winter Olympics in Beijing before I miss it. Ta-ta! It's Tuesday, February 8th, 2022. I worked the NBC yet-to-be-released country western show again yesterday. This time, downtown Decatur masqueraded as Austin, Texas. I met quite a few characters. After our courthouse scenes, we were stationed outside of a bagel shop called B-Side and a store next to it called SQFT which is short for square feet. This old woman, who had clearly never done this before, kept asking me what was going on every time they yelled cut. Are we done? What do I do? Why do they keep making us do it again? At one point, she and the older gentleman she was with went into the store to ask a question. I followed them in because I had one of my own. They had a sign outside advertising an event called Stitch and Bitch. The old woman asked the girl behind the counter what DM meant, and she explained. Then I asked what the B word meant in Stitch and Bitch. It's an event where women come together to make pillow covers with sayings ranging from cute to absolutely revolting. Hmm. Then the old woman picked up something on the counter and asked, Is this real soap? The clerk replied, No, it's a Rice Krispie treat. I was rolling with laughter. My pantomime pal outside was a huge fan of the area for its restaurants and pubs. He told me how a group he's part of celebrates Pirate Palooza each year by frequenting the string of bars located here. Then he showed me pictures. I feigned interest, which I sometimes do, even if what a stranger is telling me is complete nonsense. I try not to be judgy. The scene was so long that we were fake talking for what felt like five minutes. The PA basically came over and scolded me after the first take because I wasn't moving enough. So I then went overboard with an orgasm of gesticulation. Everything from waving my hands up and down to picking up a fake telephone with my right hand, which made my partner laugh. The male principal had on the oddest outfit, and I wanted to speak to the wardrobe person immediately. Tan, loose, drawstring pants with white pinstripes and white tennis shoes. His jacket wasn't a sport coat, but something similar with a built-in belt glued to the back, but with sides that were loose and tieable. Except 
they were tied together in the back, not the front. This is the same British cowboy I witnessed at the rodeo the last time I was on the show. And that little British woman with the full red of full head of red hair that is way too large for her body was dressed like a leprechaun in a bright green suit as if she was attending some formal event in Ireland. Finally, you never know how the background of the PAs uh, until you listen to them talk. Both Kim and Gabe appear to be late 20-something hipsters, but Gabe turned out to be an ex-policeman, and Kim served in Afghanistan twice and Iraq once. Maybe her winter coat made out of teddy bear fur was shaping my image of her in a different way. Surprise! We were all done at 5 p.m., but they needed eight of us to stay later. Exactly seven men and one woman. I have no idea what the logic was behind this. They didn't get enough volunteers. I was reluctant, but eventually gave in. I mean, I had no one at home to return to, so why not? Kim berated this old man for not wanting to stay and then selected four more voluntolds. A volunteer is someone who willingly stays, while a voluntold is someone who is told they have to stay. It's always better to be a volunteer. We wrapped three hours later. The 1.5 hours of overtime wasn't really worth it, but I was home three miles later. At my acting class today, I was the star of my three-person scene. The instructor heaped lots of praise on us as she watched us practice. There's a line where my character almost cries. When we finished, one of the people in the scene ran out of the room and started sobbing. It was so weird. The teacher and the other student ran outside to console him, but I'm not mushy that way, so I just stood there and looked at the floor. I was thinking, really? It wasn't that good, but apparently it was. I made people cry. We have to do a monologue next week, which is perfect because I need to record three of these and submit them to the Avenue Agency to get them to represent me. Wish me luck. Today is Saturday, January 22nd, 2022. I thought I'd end this episode with a couple clips exemplifying my voiceover skills. The first is me playing Omar's dad, and the second is me playing the cat at the child psychologist's office, whose name is actually not Siggy, as I reported earlier. The cat's name is Nightlight. All right, here we are, Omar, Dr. Sigmund's office. Hmm, let's find a spot to sit for now. Oh, hello. Thanks for greeting us with those cool, calming sounds. This place seems fun. <laughs> Dr. Sigmund's cat is very welcoming. Are you okay, Omar? I understand. Remember when you had that earache and we took you to the doctor? This is just like that, except this doctor helps with feelings instead of ears. Of course I do. I'm a great listener. That's why you keep me around. You flatter me, doctor. Yes, of course. So, in a nutshell, number one, focus on the breath. Deep ones, in through the nose, then out through the mouth. Repeat as needed. Two, face your fear with some facts. Try to learn more about the thing that scares you. Knowledge is fun and freeing. Three, remind yourself that it's okay to be afraid, but you can work to control the way you respond to fears. Perhaps. Everything is perfectly in order. 
Without question, Mr. Stafford is the legal and rightful owner of Tom Lexington Sr.'s slaves. The slaves and their offspring were included in the sale of the plantation. Yes, Daniel has explained the situation. If your father turned a slave over to another party without taking the proper legal channels, then those said slaves would rightfully be owned by Mr. Stafford. Okay, so that last one wasn't really a voiceover. It's me practicing my new role as George Peterson in the film adaptation of the novel Fondy's Love. Let's hope they get the funding and this movie gets made. That's all for this episode. Tune in again for more of the Background Scoop, where I discuss background acting here in Atlanta. Hope you're learning and getting some BG rules of your own. Feel free to reach out with your questions, which I'll try to answer in a future episode, or tell me a story about your own experience, and I may choose to interview you. See the episode notes for how to reach out, and if you like what you've heard, please rate the podcast. Thanks for listening.